Good morning, Seacoast Church. How are you doing today? Merry Christmas. How are you? You doing okay? We just wrapped up a series last weekend called The Word at Work. And our prayer for you is that you can understand whatever you do is holy. Whatever you do is holy work if you allow God to work in and through your life. If you haven't had the opportunity to meet yet, my name is Joel Delph, and I serve as the Mount Pleasant campus pastor. And today, I am so honored that I get to share God's word with you. We're going to be in Luke chapter 2. And let me give you my sermon in a sentence. One of the things that, preacher tip, one of the things we try to do is take whatever time we're trying to preach, teach, communicate something. If you can boil it down to one sentence and then preach that, then it's powerful. So you try not to ever tell anyone your sermon in a sentence. You're hoping they feel it, but I'm breaking the rule. This is kind of like if you're watching Yellowstone and Rip starts looking at you in the camera and starts talking <laughs> like, it's, like my Rip jacket. You're not supposed to be watching that. Oh, we got to start over. Here's my sermon in a sentence. This Christmas season, you have to keep Jesus the main priority. Thank you for listening to my sermon. Have a good day. If you could stand with me, if you would stand with me, I would love for us to read God's word together from Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. You can find it in your Bibles. We'll have it on the screens. We have it in your phones. Um, if you're joining us online, we are so glad that you are here. If you're joining us from someplace cold like Connecticut, right now in Charleston, it's like 70 degrees outside, okay? So uh, move to Charleston is what I'm trying to tell you. <laughs> hey, hey. Everyone in the room who just moved to Charleston over the last five years is acting like they've been here forever. <laughs> and they've been lying to you trying to say, don't move here. Congest our traffic. Come on down. Luke chapter 2, verse 22. My pastor would say this growing up. The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God stands forevermore. And I got two minutes of scripture to read to you. And I pray that you'll give it careful attention as we read it out loud together. When the time came for the purification rites required by the law of Moses, Joseph and Mary took him to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male is to be consecrated to the Lord and to offer a sacrifice in keeping with what is said in the law of the Lord, a pair of doves or two young pigeons. God gave the Israelites the law. The law was uh, given to them as a love letter to learn how to be free. They had 17 generations of Egyptian slavery, and God had to teach them how to not have a mindset of slavery. That's what the law was given to do. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon. Say Simeon. Simeon's amazing. He's one of my favorite uh, Bible characters. Side note, I just got back from a trip. Uh, from Israel, and it was amazing. Um, if you haven't been to Israel, you need to go. 
You need to go because there's two things that are still alive from the Bible times, Jesus and the land. You can actually go to the physical places you've read in your Bible and see it. It's amazing. It's kind of like uh, you or I have fallen in love with someone that we haven't actually met before. And a part of our faith is tied up in the land. You got to go. Let me say it another way. If you're going to Cabo next year, cancel your trip to Cabo and go to Israel. Your memories will be way better, okay? Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not die before he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, Simeon took him in his arms and praised God, saying, Sovereign Lord, as you have promised, you may now dismiss your servant in peace, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. The child's father and mother marveled at what was said about him. Then Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword will pierce your own soul too. There was also a prophet, Anna, say Anna, the daughter of Penuel, the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. Coming up to them at that very moment, she gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. When Joseph and Mary had done everything required by the law of the Lord, they returned to Galilee to their own town of Nazareth. And the child grew and became strong. He was filled with wisdom and the grace of God was on him. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for today. We thank you so much that in your presence is freedom, wisdom, knowledge, healing, redemption, and I pray, Lord God, that today you will speak a better word over our life. Will you beat back the lies that are in our head that have become Goliaths that we can't see past? Will your Holy Spirit correct, convict, and mobilize us for action? We pray these things in Jesus' name. And everybody said, hey, before you take a seat, turn to your neighbor and ask them, hey, how was Thanksgiving? How was Thanksgiving? <laughs> Ask him. Ask him. I know you spent time with people you wanted to and people you didn't. How was your Thanksgiving? You okay? Hey, you need a hug? Who hurt you this Thanksgiving? Just tell me. Just tell me. Being with family is always something special. Uh, my family, we drove to Nashville, Tennessee. So from Charleston to Nashville, it's an eight-hour drive. And it was amazing. It's amazing because I don't say much around my wife's family. And here's why. Here's why. Her dad and mom, they're counselors. They're therapists. 
her, her brother is a therapist. Her sister is a therapist. So I don't make eye contact. I don't look up. I don't say nothing. They're like, hey, he preaches all the time. He don't talk to us. I don't say much around Thanksgiving because I, I don't want to get psychoanalyzed while I'm eating turkey. That's not fun. Nobody likes that. On our way home from Thanksgiving, I, I thought about you. We were driving back from Nashville, Tennessee. We average 183 miles in the car before someone needs to go to the bathroom. Someone has to eat. Someone needs Starbucks, whatever. Like, but we were making time. We were slaying it. And we were in our minivan. If you got a minivan, make some noise in the house. <laughs> Nobody really does that in real life. Here's something that's helped me with my minivan. I've had it for four years. Uh, a minivan is a tool. Tools are manly. Therefore, minivans are manly. A minivan can hold everything except your pride. Just want to let you know. I want to let you know. Um, my wife feels the same way about the minivan. We just kept having more kids. And the way our finances work, we ain't ready for that suburban life or the Escalade life. And so the minivan's amazing. And we're driving back from Thanksgiving, and I'm sitting with my boys. They just fallen asleep, which is amazing. And my wife starts yelling. My wife is awesome, but sometimes she got some road rage issues. And so I just looked up to see who we we're about to fight. Only person I know who's gotten a, a, a ticket from a police officer for tailgating a marked patrol car. <laughs> hey, I'm sleeping in the doghouse tonight. But if you live in the doghouse, it's always a great place to be, you know. So she's driving and she starts yelling. And passing us at like 90 miles an hour with a Florida license plate, so that makes sense, is a 2023... Cadillac Escalade, black, beautiful. It's my wife's dream car. And she starts yelling at it because it's completely filthy. Like there's dirt all on the side. There's mud on the windows. And my wife starts yelling. And she goes, why are they treating that car like that? If I had an Escalade, I'd wash it every day. If I had an Escalade, it would be perfect. If I had an Escalade. And, and have you ever seen someone with something you wanted, but they couldn't appreciate it because it was in their hands and not yours? Have you ever seen someone living in the thing you always prayed for and they can't even see it? A few years ago, I, I broke my ring finger and uh, the surgeon came in. I talked to him. He did the surgery. He was an amazing guy. Um, he looked like he got paid seven figures a year. You know what I'm talking about? <laughs> a few weeks later, I got to have lunch with a doctor who works with the surgeon who did my surgery. And he goes, hey, man, uh, we were getting ready to have our first kid. He said, the surgeon who did your surgery, he would do anything in his life to be able to have a child like you are. Him and his wife, they've been trying for years, spent six figures on all sorts of in vitro, all different things, and they, they would do anything. And then he, he challenged me. He's like, I hope you never take your children for granted. And, and he... And, and him saying that to me really ministered to me. And, and I, I will be honest, I haven't ever taken a day where at some point I thank God for my kids because of what that guy said. And thinking about that Escalade and thinking about that doctor, I've been thinking about you and the Christmas season. And in the Christmas season, we buy all these gifts 
for all these people. And I don't know what your house is like on December 25th when the kids run down the stairs and they're so excited to open up gifts. But something weird happens in my household. I don't know if it happens in yours, but they get more excited about the next gift they're about to open than what's in their hands. So they open it up. They tear it open. And instead of saying, hey, daddy, thank you for this plastic Barbie. I will keep it with me for the next 55 years of my life. They just kind of see it. They throw it over their shoulder and they go to the next gift. And we do the same thing. God has given us the gift of his son. It's under the tree and it's been there for 2,000 years. It's the gift that's available to us every single day, every single moment. And if we're not careful, we don't even see the gift that is in our hands. And the title for our time together is just this one simple question. Do you get the gift? Do you get the gift of what is under the tree? Simeon lived in a time before the gift. And so when he saw Jesus coming in in the arms of his mom and he snatched her, snatched him out of Mary and he held him and he said, my eyes have seen your salvation. He got the gift of what was in front of him. And my prayer for you today is that you will get the gift under the tree. So for our time together, I want to talk about four gifts that are under the tree that if you could see what is in your hands and live with them every day, it would change everything. Let's talk about them. First one, let's talk about the gift of his spirit. The gift of his spirit. Luke chapter 2 we see something special about Simeon. We see something special about Anna. But when you think about the gift of the Spirit, I want you to think about this picture that our team's going to throw up on the, the screen. All right. So when I went to Israel a few weeks ago, uh, welcome to my slideshow presentation. Um, we go into Bethlehem. And I was excited to go to Bethlehem. Oh, little town of Bethlehem. Thanks for my solo. I was really pumped because I thought it was going to be like this serene, peaceful place that feels like Christmas year round. But a weird thing happened when we pulled up to go to Bethlehem. If you go to Bethlehem today, it's in the Palestinian controlled part of Israel. And our Israeli tour guide had to hop out before we crossed over. There was 20-foot walls. It kind of felt like a maximum security prison in some way. We, we drive through, and then our Arab uh, tour guide hops on. He's awesome, believer, great dude. And we drive, and the feeling of this town felt peaceful, but then a little hostile. It felt like, yes, I'm going to this historical site that I've always dreamt of, but it also feels a little scary. And we drove around a corner, and we saw that picture of the dove, and I thought that's a really great picture of the Holy Spirit. You remember when Jesus receives the Holy Spirit? So he gets baptized, comes out of the water, and it says the Holy Spirit descended on him like a, like a dove. And I love how this dove has got a bulletproof vest on because it's ready for a battle. And I think that's what the Holy Spirit is gifted us to do. 
The Holy Spirit wants to be our comforter. The Holy Spirit wants to be our guide. Holy Spirit also wants to be your protector and strength. Let's go back to Luke chapter 2. Now, there was a man in Jerusalem called Simeon who was righteous and devout. And this is what the scripture says about him. He was waiting for the consolation of Israel. That means he was waiting for the Savior. And the Holy Spirit was on him. The Holy Spirit was on him. It had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not even die until he had seen the Lord's Messiah. Scripture says, moved by the Spirit, he went into the temple courts. When the parents brought the child Jesus to do for him what the custom of the law required, it goes on to the prayer. And then we see this prophet Anna. She's the daughter of the Penuel of the tribe of Asher. She was very old. She had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage and then was a widow until she was 84 years old. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day fasting and praying, coming up to them at that very moment. She gave thanks to God and spoke about the child to all who were looking forward to the redemption of Jerusalem. So we see that the Holy Spirit is on Simeon. He's on Anna. He's guiding them, directing them. How many of us are in the room today and we need direction from God? <clears throat> well, if he got, gave you the Holy Spirit, why aren't you hearing the directions? Simeon and Anna prioritized the presence of God in their life. And in doing that, they were able to hear the voice of God. Anna was in the temple all the time. And Simeon was known as a man who is righteous and devout. That was a designation of spiritual authority and devotion he had in his life. It wasn't that he was just a good guy. They're like, this man is always in the word. He's always listening to God. He's always praying. He's always giving sacrifices. And because of that, he heard God in a different way. Let's say it another way. God loves all his children, but some of us, he just talks to a lot more. God wants to talk to you. And here's something practical that you can do to attune your ears to heaven. In January, we're kicking off the new year as we do every year with 21 days of prayer and fasting. And this is a time... This is a sacred season for us as a body of believers where we're praying and asking God to do what he will. We're asking for his favor. We're asking for his blessing. We're asking for his provision. We're asking for his correction. Not too loud, though, because that's kind of scary. Like, but we're asking for him to move in our life. And I want to encourage you to join us in this holy season. For more information, seacoast.org forward slash 21 days. And here's how it works. Sunday, you come to church. Monday through Thursday, 7 to 8 a.m. at our campuses or online. You can tune in and take that hour to just pray and hear from God. And then Friday, Saturday, you do it on your own. And Sunday, you come back again. We do that for 21 days. I want to encourage you to prioritize receiving the gift of his spirit by making time for it. Second gift that's under the tree, the gift of his word. Got another picture of me at the Wailing Wall, otherwise known as the Western Wall in Jerusalem. And it was really amazing to pray at this wall that I've seen people pray uh, my whole life. And it was special. But it's also part of a church, part of a synagogue. And so guys were coming in for the bar mitzvah. And then people were reading the word. 
they're reading it. And I thought, how powerful is it when we open the word of God and allow it to penetrate our heart? One of my mentors comes to church every Sunday and he said, hey, I love church. I love a sermon, but a sermon cannot sustain me seven days a week. And the same is true for you. Your walk with Jesus is two things that seem to be contrasting. It's intensely personal and individual, and it's also corporate and communal. So it's individual and personal, your individual walk with God, and being a student of the word looks less like an academic and more like an athlete. You remember when you study for the test in college, and then three weeks after the test is done, you can't remember anything you studied? Why? Because the testing validated the learning process. Think of it more like this. Think of your walk with Jesus as being an athlete. Have you ever gotten in shape and then said, hey, I'm in shape. I don't have to work out anymore. It's done. And you stop working out. It doesn't work that way. Why? Because you got to move every single day. Same thing with your walk with Jesus. This Christmas season, don't assume that you know the Christmas story. Read it. Go to Matthew. Go to Luke and read it for yourself. Get distracted with the questions that pop up and go on a journey in your Bible. Here are three ways to read your Bible that's been helping me, and I pray that it helps you. Three questions you can ask yourself. One, what was said? Like, actually what was said. Not what you think it said, but give careful attention to reading the words. What was meant by what was said? The Bible doesn't mean anything different than what it meant when it was written. And then... What does it mean for us today? That third question is typically the first way we read the Bible. What does it mean for me today? What does it mean for me today? And then we sing our favorite song, which is me, 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 me. I didn't get anything out of it. Well, you didn't listen. And so take time to give careful attention to reading the word of God. Jesus said this in Luke chapter 15. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete." God has always been trying to give us his heart through his word. Go back to um, Exodus chapter 18 and 19 when the law was first given. God was so excited about it when he was talking to Moses. He's like, hey, man, I want to make you all my chosen people, a, a nation of priests. I want to bless you like ever before. And the initial response of the Israelites were like, hey, we saw that conversation you had with God and the lightning and thunder. You keep going back up there and talking to him. We don't want none of that. Go back and read it. And God wants to give us an intimate knowledge of who he is, and it's through his word. Where do I start? I got something for you. We're doing an Advent devotional right now as a church. Seacoast.org forward slash Advent. And this is a simple way that you can make time for God. And I would encourage you to get the devotional and then also read the scriptures that are quoted in the devotional. Take some time to do that. Third gift that's under the tree. You should know this one, the gift of his son. 
Simeon said this, for my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the sight of all nations, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people, Israel. I love what he said. He's like, my eyes have seen it. Can you see the salvation? Can you see what Jesus has done for you? He didn't just save you from hell so you can live any way you want to today. He saved you from something for something. And so here are the things that I, I think about when I think about what Jesus has done for me, the gift of his son. I think of how he saved me from self-centered living. Because that song track, me, 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 it's all about me. Why are they looking at me that way? It's about me. Why did they say that? It's about me. And then we live these intensely narcissistic lives where we can't get past ourselves to see the world. But guess what? Because of what Jesus has done and is doing in my life, I can see it's not about me. They're in pain. It's not about me. They're going through something. And I can see the world around me. Because of what Jesus has done, the gift of his son, I get to walk in freedom. Freedom, knowing that my sin was paid with a price and that shame is not from God. Shame is not from God. God sees what you've done. You surrender it to him and he's, he's cleansed you. That's it. A life of generosity and purpose. Walking with the son has given me more purpose than I've ever dreamt of on my own strength. There's greater dreams than what you know how to dream. And the closer you walk to God, he'll unlock things in you that you never thought possible. He saved you from hell for a new life. The gift of his house. The gift of his house. The gift of God's church gives us so many things, but I got a few of them for you. A safe place to heal. A safe place to heal. One of my favorite things I love to do on a Sunday morning is walk around and pray for people. And it's a joy of my life to be able to do that. Um, it's always slightly awkward when someone's got their hands up and then they got a hand on them and I'm praying, but it's always a rewarding thing. And it's really cool to see and hear stories of Pastors who are struggling, who have moved to Charleston just because they need a safe place to heal. Um, I've gotten to pray with spouses who've been here for months and months by themselves, and now I see them worshiping with their better half, and they're doing it in unity. Um, I've seen families who go through crisis and they don't know where to turn, and because they come into the house, God's able to connect them to things. To let them know they're not alone. A safe place to heal. A safe place for correction. Ooh, you ain't ready for this one. If you haven't been corrected in the last six months, maybe you aren't doing this faith walk right. If the people in your world haven't cared enough about you to speak something into you, ooh, you're missing something out. This week, I walked in on a small group talking, 
and a guy was getting challenged by another brother in Christ to live a life of chastity. (laughs) Not allowing sexual immorality to ravage his soul. That is done in community. And I know sometimes we want this pulpit to be a place where we tell people, do this, don't do this. Do this, don't do this. And and you know what? Every time you open the Word of God, sometimes it's going to feel like that. I'm sorry. But the best way that life change happens is in community. And when you let people in your world and you're honest about where you're at, they can help you get better. Go back and read it. Acts chapter 14. You bunch of believers, they were Gentiles and they were doing some crazy stuff. They were eating food, sacrificed to idols, sexual immorality. And the, the leaders of the church wrote them a letter and said, hey, do something about that. Y'all, y'all can't live that way. They received the letter with joy because they got the gift of correction. And then their leaders lived life with them, strengthened them and encouraged them and helped them to see how they could live a better life. That's the gift of the church. A force for good. A force for good. I've been a part of the Seacoast family for the last year. And one of the most shocking things about our community of believers is how many amazing things happen every single week that you'll never hear from this pulpit. Amazing things. Right now, we are uh, sponsoring a family of refugees from Afghanistan. And the cool thing about it is that the church liaison the couple that's helping them just so happened to meet a decade ago in Afghanistan while on deployment. And now these languages that they learned have purpose in their own church. It's his family's trying to figure out how to do Charleston life. That's very different than Afghanistan life. Oh man. I'm, I'm seeing force for good. What else have I seen lately? Um, yesterday I got to be with a family who uh, was ushering their father into the arms of Jesus at the hospital. He spent 30 years as a doctor at MUSC. And now his last day was in the place he went to work every day. And it was so powerful hearing how the small group is helping this family to hear how they don't have to do this thing alone. That's the gift of the church. That's the gift of his bride. It's bigger than a Seacoast thing. It's a part of the global church. It's who we are. You got brothers and sisters in Christ in China who are risking everything just to gather. And then we treat this place like, well, if it's my schedule, I'll show up. When I was in Israel, I got to baptize people in the Jordan River. And this was the changing moment for me when I went from like a tourist to a pilgrim. I went from, hey, these sites are cool to like, I'm a part of a, a, a holy trip that believers have been going on for thousands of years. And I got to baptize some of my friends. I got to be there and watch Lee Worley, who's one of our worship leaders, baptize his own wife. I got to baptize uh, Brian Lewis, who's one of our pastors here, a guy I look up to so much. And then As he came out of the water, God gave me all these prophetic words over his life. Such an amazing moment. But the cool thing about baptizing the Jordan River was the fact that I could, while we were baptizing this other church that we didn't know, they just joined in and started celebrating and singing over us as we were baptizing. And then I looked down and I I saw 
and I got to hear people speak in Spanish and Portuguese and Japanese. And there's people from all over the world on a Tuesday visiting this place because they could see the gift of our faith. We're a part of something bigger. 2023, make this house your home. Make this house your home. If it's not a fit for whatever reason, no feelings hurt. Find a church that is. But don't be a part of the million of believers, millions of believers around our country who are just nominally just being a part of church with whatever just fits their narrative for that moment. Make this house your home. There's four gifts under the tree. Four gifts that have been there for thousands of years. And my prayer for you today is that you will look at those gifts again. The gift of his spirit. God wants to walk with you. The gift of his word. He has given us the words of Jesus to study them. The life of the prophets. The struggles of the heroes of faith. To encourage you to know. You're not that far from the love of God. The gift of his house. So we don't have to do this thing alone. We're better together. Can I take a moment to pray for you? Father, I thank you so much for your son. I thank you so much that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I thank you, Lord Jesus, for this holy season of Advent leaving into Christmas where we can celebrate the day the world changed. We literally mark time by the gift of Jesus, B.C.A.D., and we thank you, Lord Jesus, that you are still changing time for all of us when we receive your love. Bless us, Lord God. In Christ we pray. Amen. Hey, let's take some time to respond today. There's a few ways you can respond. You can go to the crosses where you can nail a prayer request. Do that. You can uh, go to the candles. And you can light a candle to remind your heart that the light of Christ is shining in dark circumstances. You can, you can receive communion, which is for all those who have put their hope and faith in Jesus Christ. Response time for us at Seacoast is a time where we get to stop and say, speak, Lord, for your servant is listening. We ask ourselves two questions in this time. What is God saying to me? And what am I going to do about it? If you receive the word today, why don't you give God a hand clap of praise?